Suplex City, bitch. Do I look like a jacked up white guy with a giant head and a military crew? This is your United States of After no mercy, I will still be the champ. Kurt Angle will still be a terrible father. And you will still be a bastard. Welcome back to segment two. We're going to jump into SmackDown here. Rick, overall, what did you think of SmackDown? I know what we were heading into, so uh, I felt the need. I, I had to go reach for the mountains. I actually had the first time I've ever done this while we've been recording. I had to crack open a nice tall boy, bush light, just to help me settle in, calm my nerves for, for this part of the show. What a garbage show. And just everything on the show just felt throwaway. You know, it was one of those after last week, you felt so disappointed. Obviously, you had you had that moment at the end there last week. But, man, I felt so let down. And then it was a, almost as if this week they were like, oh, yeah, go ahead, hold my beer. Watch, watch this. We're going to. We're going to blow you away with disappointment. Well, and it reflected in the numbers, too. Um, 1.74 has been the average. Uh, the episode with Vince on it went up to 1.93. So we know that Vince McMahon on a show is worth about two-tenths of a ratings point. Uh, this week, right back to 1.73. So it was really Vince was the only thing that spiked that rating last week. That's the conclusion that I draw from it. Of course, in, in, in McMahon logic, you know, of course, they load up the show. So, I mean, it, it was still an above-average episode of SmackDown. Like I said, they were treating that episode of SmackDown like it was their pay-per-view because they had so long in between shows. I'd say rightfully so, you know, so because, I mean, hell, we still got a, a couple weeks, just under a month before, before Hell in a Cell. So the show kicks off with Shane McMahon responding to Kevin Owens. Uh, what did you think of Shane's promo? You know, as, as you alluded to before, it came off with a lot of building brand and product endorsement. One thing I actually took from it, you know, aside from the content, is I, I'm still not feeling that fire in Shane that his father spoke of last week and his disappointment that his son didn't go completely over the edge there and finish that job when he actually had Kevin Owens down. And I didn't feel that fire there. And I think that is intentional because it's going to come into play here eventually. I've still got that, that gut feeling that Shane is going to get burnt here somewhere along the line. There was something that just felt off about the entire program. Um, I like that Shane came out and he wasn't doing the dancing. 
Uh, he didn't come out and what's up, San Jose? I, I I do like that. Or I guess it was Oakland is where SmackDown was. Right. Um, of course, he wouldn't have been talking to anybody. We saw the pictures of the attendance for SmackDown. Um, but as intense as Brock Lesnar came across, that's what was missing from Shane McMahon. The, the, the verbiage was off. It felt like it was a guy in the ring reading a script to me. It didn't feel like the human emotion that you really wanted. Like Shane should just be so angry that he can't even speak. It's like foaming at the mouth, just angry beyond belief. But instead, he was very well-spoken, and, you know, he was commissioner of SmackDown Live, Shane O'Mac. And, and, and that, that's where I'm getting that undertone, that he didn't show that fire that, that Vince wants, and I think that's going to come back into play. The other aspect of it that I, I just felt, I, I don't even know how I felt about the entire thing, was... There was no sense of urgency to Shane. And I noticed the verbiage. He kept saying, my father. Shouldn't it have been dad? Like, just inside of the verbiage, doesn't dad feel a lot more personable than father? Yeah, who sits there in any time in a real conversation and just keeps referring to my father? I mean, he did touch a little bit on the strained relationship between Shane and Vince, which I don't think was a good idea. But it, it just it felt like it was just missing that emotion. And the verbiage didn't help. Now, on the flip of that, which I know we're going to transition into, is I what I knocked Kevin Owens for last week, I thought they did a great job here. Where you know he was taking this this matter serious now. Yeah. I really liked the Owens promo, and I really like how they shot the Owens promo. I thought it was smart to do it live via satellite, um, even though that was probably just in the back of the building. Um, I like the way the camera just slowly kept zooming in on Owens' face. Um, and I like the intensity and the disheveledness of Kevin Owens. I like that he's wearing a button-up shirt that's not ironed. I like that he's wearing a tie that looks very misplaced, like he just thought, I should be wearing a tie for this. But you can tell it's almost, he almost had that, oh, shit, what have I got myself into? This just got real. What did you think of? But I still have to stand my ground as a professional wrestler. What did you think of AJ Styles when he cut his promo referencing the other storyline? That's something that WWE doesn't do very often inside of their narrative. Yeah, they kind of just run everything kind of parallel with one another, don't they? Yeah, they they never reference something else going on inside of its own show, which is baffling to me. At some point, you would think storylines would overlap. That's what I, which I, which I think they should, because then we wouldn't get the same thing over and over. Well, that's what happens when you have twenty-six writers writing segments instead of three writers sitting down and writing a show. And, and they've become that's such the norm now. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Rusev and Randy Orton 
I, I thought this was one of the more interesting matches on SmackDown, even though it was the shortest match on SmackDown. Remember when Rusev supposedly asked for his release and that's why Orton beat him in 10 seconds? What happened to that? Well, I think that was all just a bullshit story getting out there. Well, obviously, at this point. But, you know, this, this program itself, and along even with, with Styles, Corbin, and even Bowen Dillinger there, you can tell, and even your, your WWE Championship program, that these, these all seem like just filler spots on the show to me because their focal point is that, that Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens. So a lot of this is, is kind of hard to get into because I just get the feeling that they're half-assing it through these programs. So why should I overly invest into what's going on right now? The one thing I did pop for on SmackDown was the backstage interview afterwards when Rusev was so happy that he finally beat Randy Orton. I popped for that. That's the Rusev I want to see. Well, in addition to the, to the promo that he cut there, his immediate reaction when he won that match, when he is... He know, was so happy. Ramp, Wins and losses he, matter. Man, he was jumping for joy. And I, I thought that was a great touch. I popped a little bit for that and chuckled a little bit. You see this big, you know, this big brute that he's just, you know, jumping for joy and can't contain himself. I, I thought that was pretty good. When was it? Was it backlash when Jinder won the title from Morton? Is that, am I, I thinking think of the so. right show? Did you ever hear the Indian commentary at the end of that match? I have not. Uh, they, they, they start screaming India. Number one, India, number one. Cause they're so happy that an Indian has won the title. And when Rusev was doing his celebration, that was immediately what I thought when he was Rusev number one. Oh, that's good. I, I, I almost, I almost felt like that was just a little bit of a dig at the Indian commentary team. If it's that entertaining, uh, I'll encourage others to join me. Absolutely. Look it up on YouTube. Look it up on YouTube. The, the, the Indian commentary reaction to Jinder Mahal winning the WWE championship. It is absolutely worth the listen. Absolutely. I might even have to see if I can find the audio from that and, and rip it into this episode. Speaking of Jinder Mahal, <clears throat> and it seems WWE oh, has found man. themselves in a little bit of deep shit on this one. Jinder oh, Mahal cuts a, basically the same promo that he cut last week against Shinsuke Nakamura, except this week it's even more racist because that seems like a great idea. Would you think the logic running this out here again is last week they had thought that they wrote something so profound and hilarious and entertaining and they didn't get a reaction that they were like, Oh, this must have won over people. We got to try this again. People just didn't get it the first time. Yeah. What the fuck? You didn't get a reaction because it was God awful. That's why he didn't get a reaction last week. It was terrible. And this week was worse. I'm not, I not even the content of the promo. Just the promo itself was god-awful. The way it was delivered, the way it was shot, 
the Singh brothers over animation. Are you a Seinfeld fan at all? Oh, I love me some Seinfeld. Okay, this what happened here reminded me. I remember when uh, Jerry's dentist converted to Judaism. Oh yeah, and he was cracking all those jokes. Yep. And Jerry goes to. I believe he actually was talking to a priest or something about it. And they asked, or he converted for the jokes. The jokes offend you because you're Jewish. They said, no, they offend me because I'm a comedian. Exactly. Because they were so bad. I was not offended in any way by what this has been, what this segment has picked up from just not by fans, but general media outlets. I wasn't offended because of the PC reasons. I was offended by someone who enjoys comedy and entertainment. That was the offensive freaking part here. Deadspin picked up on this. The Washington Post has picked up on this. WWE has been forced to comment on this. I I, I particularly love the the final paragraph of the deadspin.com article when it says, anyway, the fans in Oakland didn't even like it Channing, that's too far at Mahal near the end of his promo. Pro wrestling is a show where people pretend to fight each other. It's carny entertainment. There's a litany of racist promos in WWE's history, sure, but there's no reason for this kind of shit. It doesn't make Mahal a better character, and it doesn't build for his match against Shinsuke Nakamura that much. It's just awkward and sad. I can't sum it up any better than that. It pretty much, it pretty much hit it right there. Nailed it right on the head. And and since becoming, you know, earning this most recent title opportunity, you know, like I was just saying, looks like these these programs are taking a backseat to their focal point. There's nothing here that's getting me excited for for their match at Hell in a Cell. Well, and the worst part to me was Shinsuke didn't come out again. Why didn't Shinsuke come out and kick the shit out of Jinder and the Singh brothers for that? Instead, it just makes Shinsuke look weak. I've got this feeling they're going to save that for next week. And then they're going to end up putting this thing inside a cell or something, which I think is a, ter- is a terrible mistake. But See, and I have heard, cool. I've heard reports that there are going to be two Hell in a Cell matches, but nothing that has said that Shinsuke versus gender is going to be one of them. I uh, could just see it in my, I, I'm just envisioning the reason they're going this route with these just such, I don't know if you want to call them racist or everyone else is, so we'll call them that racist and personal attacks that they're trying to spark an emotion there. That knock wants to kick his ass inside the cell now. See, and I have heard that you're going to have, uh, Shane and Owens, obviously, is going to be Hell in a Cell. And I heard New Day and Usos is supposed to be Hell in a Cell. Well, they better start picking up some heat. I mean, I know it's been a long-running program, and they've had some good battles, but nothing there is is screaming cell-worthy to me. I think that in their mind's eye, the Usos and the New Day are the new version of Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys. And it's just not. There, there, there's not that emotional well, fire out. between that's them. That's fucking asinine. 
Well, but that it seems like that's how they're booking it. I mean, these two teams have been going at it for Jesus since the Usos were in face paint. I mean, the the legacy of Usos and New Day goes back a couple of years at this point. I'm just not sure anybody gives a shit. I just wish they would leave it at one match. It irritates me to no end, and I know I'm not alone in this one, but just because it's October, and it's hello, you know, just because it's October, it's time to run a cell out there. It's these damn gimmick pay-per-views. Bring back Halloween Havoc. Love me some Halloween Havoc. Uh, I didn't even have Usos and New Day on the rundown because that's how much I care about it. Uh, you have the you brought up a little bit earlier the Styles and Corbin match, um, and then Dillinger well, uh, getting the involved. The match that never happened. Yeah, this does not feel like the U.S. Open Challenge. This is not the U.S. Open Challenge that John Cena did. It's never felt that way to me. And it's it's always bothered me a little bit that they keep calling it this. And they're simply doing it because they're trying to live off of, well, when Cena did it, it was so great. So let's just keep it going. This is completely different. This is not the open challenge. It's not an open challenge when you know who's going for it a week ahead of time. You're, you're, you're defeating the purpose of the gimmick. And this whole program is, they're just letting Styles float through right now until they're ready to move him back up to something bigger. Which, again, it makes it hard to invest in. I know this is just fluff and filler right now. Can you invest in Ty Dillinger versus Baron Corbin? I mean, I know we, we, we did a segment on Ty Dillinger here a couple of weeks ago. But the way that Dillinger has been presented up until this point, I, I just don't understand it. He needs a serious shakeup. Uh, quite possibly, I'll go ahead and make a cut when you get that out as a bullet a bullet point this week or over the weekend. So in case anyone has missed it, that wants to go back there and do a quick listen for it about how we would book him going forward. And I think that some people in creative need to sit down and give some thought to it as we did to get this, uh, get this hot talent some direction. Just throwing him into the U S title program for no apparent reason doesn't make any sense to me. It just, he hasn't been presented on that level in any way, shape, or form. Just, just a filler program right now. Speaking of filler programs, you had Dolph Ziggler once again doing whatever it is that Dolph Ziggler is doing. I mean, we want to talk about Cena and Roman getting a little too meta. This Dolph Ziggler thing is just out of control. Well, it's, it's very obvious to everyone. This is just another attempt to build him up, remind us that he is relevant, so that he can become feeder for another talent. Well, can we just get on with it already? How many weeks do we have to suffer through this? Just bring out Bobby Roode already. You know, I was thinking one issue I do have with how they're presenting this. Wouldn't it have made a hell of a lot more sense to hold off, because we haven't seen him in a couple weeks, to hold off on that Bobby Roode debut until it's time for him to actually be the one to shut Ziggler up. Bobby Roode and Mike Kanellis was the dark match. How do you feel about that? When's the last time Bobby Roode was on fucking television? Yeah. You just brought him up. 
you make this big, you make this big grand debut for him. He works a couple matches as a baby on television, and then he's gone. Wouldn't it, been, wouldn't it have hit home much, much more if you had Dolph doing this stuff, and then boom, it happens? And Mike Kanellis hasn't been on television in weeks either. Well, I mean, that just goes back that there is truth behind the, the heat that's on his ass backstage. Well, yeah, that's that's a whole nother segment. Let's get to the one highlight of the night. The one highlight of the night. I'm I'm assuming that you mean your favorite women's wrestler, Miss Charlotte. Woo! My Shar Shar is back on television. I, I could not have been more excited. Thank God for small favors that Charlotte is back on television. Uh, literally within the last week, I was seeing reports that Creative had nothing for Charlotte. How do you not have anything for Charlotte? I, I'm almost, I can understand why they would hold off on that. Because I would rather, instead of them running her out there in some stupid-ass nonsense, to hold it off till she's ready to get back in that picture. I mean, obviously it worked out with everything going on with Rick. Uh, how do you feel about them bringing Ric Flair's health issues to television? Is that is that something that you felt they needed to address on TV? Or is that something that just... Leave that to the people that want to seek out that information. I was okay with it coming out there. And since they actually did go in that route, I thought the way that they had Natalia interrupted was really cheesy to me. Super cheesy. Oh, man. If they're going to do it, go, go big or go home. Man, they should have just came out. She should have came out and just really blasted the flair, the Ric Flair lifestyle. Well, and I mean, we're talking about heart versus flair. It's not like there's not a history here. Even, even just between Natty and Charlotte, there's history. Man, I, I was, I was thinking in my head, hell it would have hit home, you know, even if Natalia, without directly pandering, we all know how much that irritates me to no end, would come out and say, you know, our families have very much in common, you know, two of the greatest ever running our family on top of all the other members. But a name like my uncle, who is synonymous with the best ever, those best ever, you know, when he was here, he was doing it right. He's had his health issues, but they were because of things that happened here in the room. He was doing it right. Your dad's health issues or because of a terrible lifestyle and the terrible person he was away from this ring. So you want him to get even more personal. And then just have Charlotte just slap the shit out of her. Um, I saw yesterday uh, Rick uh, sat down with People Magazine. There's about a 12-minute video, and Rick addresses everything that's going on with him. Uh, it sounds like Rick is not out of the woods in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he's got a lot of rehab to get back to where he was, or better than he was, by his own admission. <clears throat> um, I had kind of hoped that maybe leading up to this that we would get the return of Ric Flair to television and maybe get the return of Bret Hart to television, kind of like they did in NXT, where they had Rick in one corner and Bret in the other for the match. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, Rick is not that far along. Um, 
But there's nothing that says that they can't go back and show that story. I Those two had a great program down in NXT. Show highlights from that. Yeah, go back. Hey, that's one thing that I wish they would do more of. Show things, revisit us, re- remind us that there is, there's... Well, and even do a video package on Brett and Rick. I mean, it's not like those two never work together. Right. Oh, they hate, you know, especially when, you know, when Rick was on his way back to WCW on his way out during that that first run with WWF, they were working together regularly. Very regularly. And then even when Brett went down to WCW, they they were still working together then. What do you think about this? Just set up when they had all the women come out. Well, you know how much I love them parading out the entire women's division to be dressed down by an authority figure. Um, I don't understand what Tamina is doing, what Tamina's role on the show is right now. Um, very happy to see Becky Lynch back. Uh, of course, Charlotte was already in the ring with Natty. Who was he? Oh, Naomi. Who... <laughs> I just don't care about Naomi at this point. I think she came up. She's come a long way. She's come a long way, but but, but her character, I'm, I'm not invested in her character at all. And well, I don't think she's that good in the ring. Like, she's very athletic, but she's not that good in the ring. People overput how good she is. She's just evolved to like dancing sassy black lady now. And that's what the characters kind of come down to. So they do the four-way. Charlotte wins the four-way. Is it time for Charlotte to take this title and restore a little bit of dignity to the SmackDown women's division? I would have Natalia escape somewhere for him. Oh, come on! No, and this is why. Because I want to know what I want to know more about this Starcade event. If it's going to be a network special, it's a goddamn house show. They're not going to announce it in any way. It's a house special. show. It's a if house they, show. If, if did you no see? Did you see the story? There. Did you see the story that came out about Starcade and Wrestlecade? Oh yeah, I've been following that pretty closely. That's what this story is about. For those who didn't see it, there is a used car dealer down in Greensboro, North Carolina that runs an event every year called Wrestlecade. And Wrestlecade is taking place the same day that the WWE is doing Starcade in Greensboro, which is an old trademark going back to Jim Crockett, right? Didn't well, WCW acquire that name from Jim Crockett Promotions? Yeah, and the, the entire event was created by, by Dusty Rhodes himself. Right. And then uh, um, – it was WCW's flagship event. It was WCW's version of WrestleMania. But it seems like they're really trying to draw more on that 70s history with Dusty. Down there I'm in the Greensboro so sure. Coliseum. I know they haven't announced it yet, and it's just scheduled to be a house show right now. But I'm not so sure to up the ante running against, a, against the um, WrestleCade that they don't turn this into a network special. And if that is the case, then I would hold off that title switch to that cage match between those two ladies. Well, and that's not the case in any way. Then I would make the switch at Hell in a Cell. Well, and I guess that's the other uh, thing to consider here. Well, it's not until Thanksgiving weekend. So there's, there's still Hell in a Cell. When is, isn't Survivor Series before that as well? 
has to be, wouldn't it? Probably I think Survivor before. Series is like the twenty second. They're not going to do another another network special there. And I think releasing the card for Starcade this far out is absolutely asinine because it, it if everything goes as it stands then we know all of the results from Hell in a Cell I'm pretty is, sure Survivor is, Series that, is, is that, the 22nd yeah that's all gonna fall together here I'm pulling it up right now I'm pretty sure Survivor Series is the 22nd that's 2017 November 19th. November 19th, so it's even earlier. About two days. Well, yeah, but... So it's basically a week before Starcade. Right. But I expect Survivor Series is mostly going to be Raw versus SmackDown because for some reason Vince thinks that we care about that and we don't. Well, now that you mentioned Survivor Series, we got other tangibles here at play. Because they might want to start pushing that. The Horsewomen program. Horsewomen versus Horsewomen. If you're doing the Horsewomen program at Survivor Series, Charlotte has to take this title. You have to have the, the champion involved in that program, right? If you, have, if you have that program going on at Survivor Series and you're not going to do anything with Starcade, it's just going to remain a very nice exclusive event for those people down in Greensboro, then yes, you make the change at Hell in a Cell. Gosh, I just don't know if the if if the UFC version of the Horsewomen are ready for this at this point. I know Ronda's been training, and I know Baszler obviously is doing her thing. I I know nothing about the other two as far as professional wrestling training. You got me, bud. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't even know their freaking name. Well, I'm I'm not that close of a UFC follower. I'm I'm a very casual UFC fan at best. The extent of my UFC pretty much goes to whatever the hell our good friend uh, James MacGyver tells me. Yep, pretty much. That's big ups to you, Money MacGyver. Yep. Uh, there's a big fight coming up. I uh, let him break it down for me, and then I just hope to be entertained with people punching the shit out of each other. Because that's really what it comes down to. We want to see people punch the shit out of each other. And I need you to sell me on the fact that this guy wants to punch the shit out of the other guy. That's the role here. Not this running around grabbing, playing grab dick and making racist promos and just convince me you want to fight. Well, that's, you know, the reason that I, that so many of us love professional wrestling is a good storyline to build up there. Another, you know, another thing about it, you know, wrestling, you know, we're usually guaranteed we're going to get a good, in our big bouts, a good 20-minute showcase between two great rivals. Or usually you get to, you know, these combat sports, and they just fall flat. Or That's how I perceive it. I heard rumors that Chuck Liddell is going to go fight in Bellator. I'll watch that. Because yeah, it's, got, it's got something behind it. It's got a character. It's got someone you're familiar with. Is there anything else from SmackDown that we uh, forgot to touch on or that you wanted to comment on? No, they're just, let's go back to it again. They're just, they're putting so much into that, that main program right now that everything else is taking a, a back seat and I'm having trouble finding a reason to invest in it. 
But I'm going to let that all slide because my Shar Shar is back in town. We're back in the title hunt, back on top of where we should be. As things stand right now, I think Hell in a Cell is going to be a very defining moment for the SmackDown brand. I think if you come out of Hell in a Cell and you have Charlotte Flair as your women's champion, the New Day or the Usos as the tag champions, it doesn't really matter because the tag division's a mess. You have AJ Styles as the United States champion and you have Shinsuke Nakamura as the WWE champion. You are set up for a very, very good season. If you come out of Hell in a Cell and you have Natalia still as champion, and you have Baron Corbin as the United States champion, and you still have Jinder Mahal as your world heavyweight champion. You just shit the bed. It's going to be a shit show. Very, very much a turning point for SmackDown on this show. Nakamura, Styles, Charlotte, you have three of the absolute best in the world representing your brand as champions. And, and I feel like it, that's, that's, what that's a program about, I can invest in. That's a program I can invest in. A bunch of guys and girls trying to prove they're the best. That's when pro wrestling is at its best. Oh, one other thing from SmackDown, just because I'm intrigued to your thoughts. Did we get a heel turn from the hype bros on SmackDown? Did you catch that? I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't pay any fucking attention to it. Mojo Rowley says to Zack Ryder, I'm sick of losing. Something's got to change. I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated by what they can do with the hype bros and those two characters to turn them heel. Very much so like I was with the Usos, because it's worked for the Usos. We'll see where they're forward with it. But, and they need a change, too. Hey, it, those two might be some, some pretty cool badasses. Also wanted to run this one by you. You had no Breezango on this show. No Bobby Roode on this show. No Mike Kanellis on this show. No Sami Zayn on this show. There's, there, there's talent that they could be using to actually make this show worth something. That's nowhere to be found. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, how about a show where they where they are using talent every which way? Well, let's go to another uh, Bobby Heenan clip here, and we'll be right back, and we're going to talk some NXT. Okay. Well, cliffhanger to NXT. As we sit here, Jack Tunney is in his office in Toronto, Canada, formulating the top five contenders. Just who will face Ric Flair at WrestleMania? Who is worthy of... Of being in the top five as far as being a contender is concerned. A lot of guys they don't want to hear about. That's I would for think sure. so, yes. Hulkster, of course, no, very high on the list. Hulk? Sid Justice, uh, oh, what he did awesome at the Royal athlete. Rumble. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Brad Hart. The hitman Brad Hart, under normal circumstances, I think. Uh, he's got a cold. <laughs> no, he has the flu. He'll be back in action next weekend. Hunter's limp. <laughs> Former <laughs> champion, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yeah, for sure. Man. For sure. And I think you'd have to include it. Jameson. I got that. What? 
top of the list. Jameson. But you, you spoke of Bret Hart, the former Intercontinental Champion. How about the reigning Intercontinental Champion, Roddy, Roddy, Piper. Roddy Piper? Now, that's a great matchup. Roddy Piper. Sure, he wouldn't like that match. Hey, Flair's used to knocking things around in a skirt. Doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, then what about Ric Flair versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania? <clears throat> what about dropping this list? And letting Ric Flair pick his opponent. No, that's, that's the fair way. Being fair to Flair, being fair to Flair is the way works. to do it. If you don't want to be fair to Flair, then do it the way you're doing. But if you really want to be fair to Flair, to be fair to Flair, that's don't the way to do it. Don't start with a fair to Flair. Take it easy, guys. Don't. So NXT. Um, for those of you who try to avoid any NXT spoilers, I would skip this entire section because there's some stuff that happened at the tapings that we need to talk about. Uh, so if you don't want any NXT spoilers, shut this podcast off now, fast forward, whatever you want to do. Um, so this is from some of the taping results from September 14th. Uh, and I'm intrigued to your thoughts about where they're going with some of these stories, Rick. Uh, British Strong Style versus the Undisputed Era. Now, we're recording on Thursday this week, um, so we saw NXT from last night. Tyler Bate and Trent Seven versus Red Dragon, even though they were introduced as Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. I was a little bit disappointed in that. Uh, did you get to see NXT yet this week? I did. I caught it this morning. Okay, great. I knew it was on our sheet, so I made sure made a point to, to check it out. What do you think about the the program that they're building here with uh we now know that uh fish o'reilly and cole's faction name is the undisputed era um i'm not sure i'm a big fan of that but i can hear it coming out of adam cole's mouth so i'm, I'm gonna give it a chance uh what do you think about them going up against mustache mountain british strong style is, is british strong style just part of nxt now i, I always hope that they are you talk about some star power and some just incredible athletes going at it here. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the most intriguing things about this is it seems that we're finally going to get a little bit of character development out of Pete fucking Dunn. I think it's about time, isn't it? It's about time. I mean, the guy has had that title for a while now, uh, and, and we don't know anything about him other than he's the bruiserweight and the guy puts on incredible matches. Well, and you, just, you still have all these fans that that basically know nothing about the gentleman, but were just in awe over that match at TakeOver. Yeah, but in TakeOver Chicago. Yeah. And we were fortunate to be there live and seeing how crazy that thing was there. But Incredible. You know, for the people watching at home that caught the replays, that were just picking up on the buzz. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it was a hell of an outing. It's probably up there for WWE's match of the year. I, I've been to a lot of live wrestling shows over the course of the years, but the, there was something in the atmosphere for that match that I had never felt before. That was incredible. Uh, but we don't know anything about him as far as the character goes. So last week, we have the UK title match, Wolfgang versus Pete Dunne. Undisputed Era comes out kicks the shit out of Wolfgang. Pete Dunne acts like he's going to go in for the save. Instead, grabs his title and walks away. I loved that. Loved that. So it's established Pete Dunne as a heel. At least we know that much now. And, and I kind of like how they're doing, I guess because we're talking, you know, the blurred lines there, but 
we're, you know, we're getting at, you know, maybe he's out for himself and only himself here. He's well, out for himself you know. and to defend that title. Right. So over this course of tapings, they set up Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish versus Mustache Mountain being uh, Bait, Seven, and Wolfgang. Undisputed Era takes out Wolfgang. Mustache Mountain is going to Pete Dunn to join their team. Are you are you intrigued by this story? It most certainly has me hooked. Definitely hooked. I want to see where this is going to go. Who's going to line where? Who's going to betray who? Like I, I think the most fascinating part of this entire story is we're finally incorporating the UK talent into NXT instead of trying to keep them as their own entity. And this is this is the best route to do that. Even if you're eventually going to, you know, rebranch them off on their own, you need to get them established with your with an audience. From the show that aired last night, Red Dragon goes over. Uh, did you feel? I I kind of felt like that match shouldn't end. Like there shouldn't be a finish to that match. I didn't see where either team could really afford the loss in that sequence. I think it's just long-term strategic planning. That should have been a cock teaser. You know, get, get the crowd up and going for it, getting that 50, then pull it back and let them wait for it to happen on a bigger platform where you actually get a big finish from it. So after Undisputed Era goes over, uh, then you get Drew McIntyre comes out. So it seems as though the Adam Cole, Drew McIntyre title program is also going forward. And then, as Undisputed Era is in retreat, they're met by sanity. They're making friends all over the place. And what I really took from that, what we were, besides that's just a hot program right there, man. You've got, you got three hot acts. How can you not get excited about that? Just the way that all these storylines are entangled is genius. That's what I was going to. You've got a one-hour time slot. You've got a one-hour time slot. Adam Cole hasn't even wrestled a match, and he's involved in three fucking storylines. Work shit together. And he hasn't even wrestled a match. Genius. I, I don't know who is booking that show as far as obviously Hunter is the head of the creative but whoever is putting that thing together down there props to you my friend props to you they're just doing a hell of a lot better better job with just the the format and layout than anything we're seeing on the red blue brand in a one hour pre-taped show it, it, how these are even the same company when you talk NXT versus the main roster, how it's even the same company just blows my mind. Night and day, my friend, night and day. Uh, so we do in this next set of tapings, uh, we're going to get sanity versus the undisputed era. Uh, but it seems as though there's going to be a little bit of a twist on it. One of the new signees from the May Young Classic is going to be joining the Undisputed Era, and that is none other than Tainara Conti. So you're actually going to get the four-on-four Sanity versus Undisputed Era. 
What do you think of putting Conti with Cole, O'Reilly, and Fish? Oh, I, I popped when I saw the announcement. I think she no. fits perfect. I think she fits in perfect. Tremendous look, great athletic ability. Well, and, and that, especially and if that even playing field too. And I'm just hoping that she is spending a ton of time with Kyle O'Reilly in adapting her Brazilian jiu-jitsu background into her wrestling style. That's where, to me, is the match made in heaven. All right, so we've got these three groups of individuals here, and there's still some other names to throw in here, and they're setting up all these different match possibilities here to get you excited. And then, as if that's not enough... They bring another storyline involving the Undisputed Era into the fray when we get Roderick Strong versus Drew McIntyre for the NXT Championship coming up. I think that's going to be a great one. That's going to be a must-see. I love that they're teasing, is Roderick Strong with Undisputed Era or is he going to be against Undisputed Era? That's going to be the story that's so intriguing to me. They're just doing an incredible job of building up. They're building things on top of each other. They're keeping you on your toes. You want to tune in. Even though it's recorded, it's must-see. You can't wait for it. Adam Cole is the biggest star in NXT. He's involved in four ongoing storylines right now, and he hasn't even had a match yet. Just blows my freaking mind. Blows my mind. He's looking damn good for someone that just died. Yeah, I know, right? That guy looks just like Adam Cole. Speaking of the differences between NXT and the main roster, let's address the women's division in NXT. Uh, We knew that Asuka had vacated the women's title. Uh, We also know that Kyrie Sane is going to be in the title match at TakeOver Houston. Now we know how we're going to determine who the other three participants are. William Regal has announced via video that the vacant women's title will be contested in a fatal four-way at TakeOver Houston, and uh, that we're going to have a series of matches to decide the other three. Boy, that sounds genius. If only somebody else had had that idea. Well, I said a tournament, but hey, a series of matches, I'll take that too. And some of these pairings, they're, they're quite intriguing to, to see who's going to come out. Because you know, usually when you see something along these lines, we're going to have qualifiers. It's pretty damn clear who's going to go over at times. So you have... He could go in any direction. He's doing three triple threat matches to determine the other contenders. You have... Peyton Royce versus Liv Morgan versus Nikki Cross. Then you also have Ember Moon versus Ruby Riot versus Sonya Deville. And then a third match that has not been taped yet. Uh, I went and looked at the NXT women's roster. There are only three other women on the NXT roster at this time. They are Billy Kay, Aaliyah, and Mandy Rose. Damn, look at you over there, uh, Magnum P.I. I know. Getting to to the bottom of shit. That's right. I work for this show. I work. But like I said, these these pairings here, they're intriguing. Anyone could go over, especially in those first two matches. 
I bet you those first lacks, two matches were fantastic. The third one lacks a little bit to me. Well, and I'm not but, sure the third one is going to be that. It very. I, they could find. They could bring in. They could bring in some May Young Classic talent or anybody for that third match, which is why I'm guessing they haven't done it yet. I do expect Billy Kay to be in the match. I'm not sure about Aaliyah and Mandy Rose. I know Mandy Rose has been working a lot of the NXT house shows, and there was that whole Trish Stratus Mandy Rose thing here I, not I too long ago. The, the Jerry, the King Lawler, and all of us. Is definitely down with some more Mandy Rose on television. Mandy Rose is one of those talents to me that I liked her a lot more until I saw Total Divas. You know, it just turned me off to her character. Anybody who wants to align with Eva Marie, if you want to align with Eva Marie, that's a problem to me. That's a problem couple of other notes coming out of the NXT tapings. Uh, TM61 return. Rick, are you happy to see him back? Very, very happy. Very high on these guys for a long time. Just, um, you know, it was very disappointing when the injury happened there. Even when it came in, NXT was a bit di- a bit disappointing. Didn't really have that steam that I, that I thought they would. But yeah, I love their work going back to Japan and on the indie circuit. I think those guys are really, really good. I really look forward to them being in the Dusty Tag Team Classic again this year. Uh, Leo Rush debuts to a massive ovation. Thoughts on Leo Rush joining NXT? He's one of those guys that does nothing for me. He got that big, big ovation at the show, but then proceeded to get blasted, blasted online. A lot of people went down with him, uh, especially no selling that ladder shot. I didn't realize how much people disliked Leo Rush until I saw that he debuted, and I was reading through the comments, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" I, you would you would have thought that he went around that this dude went around and was banging everyone's moms. Yeah, <laughs> man, the IWC just went off, and I was like, "Holy yeah. shit!" I don't think I've ever seen an indie darling come in with that much heat from the quote-unquote smart fans, you know? Uh, Kari Sane made her NXT debut versus Aaliyah, which leads me to think Aaliyah's not going to be in that other triple threat match, by the way. Um, Kyrie supposedly received a deafening pop and entered with a new telescope prop and a nautical-themed Titantron. So we do have Kari Sane officially in NXT. Her era has begun. She is here. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do with her. Um, oh, how do I want to address this next one? Because I just don't understand what's going on with these two guys. Andrade Cien Almas and Johnny Gargano are going to have another match. Supposedly, this is an absolutely amazing match, and I cannot wait to see it. But, Rick, what the fuck are they doing with Johnny Gargano? I think it's a case of where he is hes floating. He's kind of just there in limbo because they're waiting to get gearing back up to start that push for that, for that big one that they want upon a, upon a return that's coming. Now I, what's his name escaping me? His partner. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, Ciampa. Uh, I, I don't think... 
I don't think I've made any secret that I'm a PWG mark. And I love me some Johnny Gargano. I think Johnny Gargano's ceiling is whatever Daniel Bryan's was. I think Gargano is that good. Um, I'm scared to death that they're going to relegate him to 205 Live. But this storyline that they're doing with Gargano right now, losing his confidence, trying to get back his confidence, getting the shit kicked out of him by Tino Sabartelli and what the hell is that other guy's name? Oh, God, I can't even remember now. I feel right. terrible. You know, you're right there. It's almost, you know, it is like that Daniel Bryan thing where they want to reestablish, hey, you know, as hot as he was and everything, you know, he was undersized. He is an underdog here. Maybe he's questioning that himself. Maybe you should question it. And then he start again where, you know, the sky's the limit. And, of course, Andrade Cien Almas, the former La Sombra. I've been a big fan of his work for years down in CMLL. He had a really, really hard time transitioning to the American style, but I think Andrade has really come on here in the last six months. Well, he's definitely he's found his stride. Character work's been great, always great in the ring. There's just so much going on all over that show. Sometimes you just fall into your pocket. It's amazing that five hours of content on the main roster, and I get more out of one hour of NXT than I do out of Raw and SmackDown put together. Just amazing. Going along with NXT, uh, we have a little bit of Mae Young Classic follow-up. Supposedly several of the Mae Young Classic competitors have already signed deals with the WWE. Uh, Among those names that have signed include Vanessa Bourne, Zeta, who we've already seen on NXT TV, uh, Sarah Logan, uh, I don't know how to say this, Zia Lee, Z Lee, I'm not sure how you say it. I remember her. She was awesome. Uh, Abby Lath, Dakota Kai, Kavita Devi, which I saw a post earlier today that we need to get the title off of Jinder Mahal and focus on Dakota or uh, Kavita Devi breaking Asta's undefeated streak. If that's anybody's good idea, please just shut our podcast off right now. Uh, Bianca Belair has signed. She was on last night's episode of NXT. Very, very happy about that. Sage Beckett, Lacey Evans, the previously mentioned Tainara Conti, Raina Gonzalez, and of course, Kyrie Sane. Uh, other names supposedly that are supposed to be getting signed, Piper Nevin, Santina Garrett, Mercedes Martinez, Tony Storm, Jazzy Gabbert, and Candice LeRae. Uh, I did see a report earlier today, it's not in the rundown, that Piper Niven, uh, Tony Storm, and somebody else had signed, um, but it was for the UK brand, which I didn't know what in the hell that meant. And also I'm looking here, we, we didn't have anything that, that Baszler has recently signed as well. Yes, Baszler we'll, has signed. And we'll, and we'll be reporting to NXT. Yeah, which surprised me. That one definitely hey, surprised me. Hey, who called that last week and be the hey, that, that one's all you. That one's all you. I thought they'd push her straight to the main roster. Uh, Tony Storm going to the UK brand, I think, is curious. I would put her in NXT immediately. Um, did you see that she just won the uh, big Grand Prix over in Japan? The first guy Asian women woman to that. win that tournament. I thought that. I was think a lot cool. of that that UK contract deal is potentially it allows them to continue work 
away from the performance center for other promotions while still under the WWE banner. Well, they might have want they might have want that route to allow them to, to keep working because my thought is as you read through all these names, definitely you know there's some great talent in there. What the hell are you going to do with all these females? That's what that's my question. I don't know what in the world they're going to do with all these girls. I mean, aside from the Royal Rumble, which we all know that you're just dying for and you can't wait to see, but I don't know what they're going to do with all these women talents. I, obviously, not all of them are going to be on TV immediately. Uh, there's some of these girls that are very, very green, but that's a lot well, of talent. You know, maybe that is. We don't know the full details behind these deals. Right. You know, what, what kind of money they're making, all the ins and outs. So I'll just be, hey, you know, let's bring them in. Let's run them through the camp. Have them here in the PC for a couple months, you know, and see what sticks to the wall. Well, and there's also the fact that NXT is actually running two house show loops now. Uh, I'm not sure how many people are aware of that. One of them is going nationally. Uh, the other one just runs that local Florida circuit. Right. Um, so it, it's very possible they're just trying to fill out the roster for that as well. Uh, one other woman that's making some headlines here uh, that could be returning to NXT or maybe Raw, I read somewhere SmackDown, uh, the infamous Paige back at the Performance Center in training. Are you ready for the return of Paige? At this point, I am ready to turn the page. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm done with her. Uh, I realize that she has a great fan base out there, and they do want to see her in any capacity back in WWE programming. I don't think there is a long shelf life with her return. I don't think that the division on the divisions on Raw and SmackDown even need her at this point. Well, I think the thing come out, you're going to get initial pop. You're going to run through, through some things, and I wouldn't be surprised if she just fucks up on her own again. Well, the thing I find so curious about this entire situation is they're talking about her going to SmackDown. Doesn't it seem like they have set up for her to return to Raw and face off with Emma? You think that would be the logical, the logical move? I mean, the one program that got both of them girls over. Heaven forbid we go back to that, and I don't know, maybe get them over. Seems asinine to me. Well, I don't know. With, with her, I would have her be putting over your undercard in the women's division. And so much with this women, with both women's divisions on the top brands, or the red and the blue brand, I don't want to sit at the top, is what the hell is going to play out. We've got to keep going back, and we've got to get more news and developments out of this horsewomen versus horsewomen storyline. I'm with you. I, I see her more in a Mickey James kind of role now, where, where she's there to put over young talent. Sorry, she had her shot. She fucked it up. If I'm the company... I don't, instead of moving some, some quick merchandise and a quick pop, she ain't going to draw a damn dime for you overall. You come with your ratings. The only person she's going to draw a dime for is Brazers.net. Yeah, I said that. What I'm holding here is the belt that belongs to the real world's champion. Oh, no, not Hulk Hogan. Presently, the man that owns this belt is under contract to another organization. But in the near future, he may be arriving in the World Wrestling Federation. If so, it would be my honor and privilege to be the advisor of this man. Now, you want to compare this belt to Hulk Hogan's? <laughs> that would be like comparing ice cream to horse manure. 
You want to compare the man that wears this belt to Hulk Hogan? <laughs> that would be like comparing ice cream to horse manure. You see, Hulk Hogan is the World Wrestling Federation champion. The man that owns this belt is the real champion, Ric Flair. Speaking of shit shows, uh, I, be I, be I better get my Iranian hey, tobacco. Hold right on, hold one. on. What are you talking about? We're about to move into this drama-packed segment of the show. You know, some shows like Raw and SmackDown drive you to drinking. GFW drives me to smoking. What the hell is going on with Global Force Wrestling, TNA, TBD, whatever you want to call it this week? Global Force is gone. The GWF name is gone. They are phasing that out everywhere. <coughs> that that left with uh, with Mr. Jarrett. I still just do not understand how Anthem let that happen. How they didn't buy that name ahead of time. Is anything in this in this story and recent <coughs> development surprising you anymore? Come on. The one thing about GFW that still surprises me is that Conan is still there. I mean, that's the one thing that really surprises me. Um, well, let's start with let, let's start with Impact the TV show, and th and then we'll move on to to some of the company stuff. So the show opens without the big GFW all the countries where GFW takes place at package which is unfortunate because i thought that was a really really cool graphic um there was four segments that i thought were actually worth talking about on this show i actually watched gfw last week it was very very painful but i actually In, suffered inside through the it. show they have some good stuff going on they've got some intriguing storylines they don't the, the in-ring action has been slacking a little bit but you know i'm hoping they're they're saving us for their big payoff moments, but they've got some intriguing storylines going on for sure. So the first match I wanted to talk about was EC3 versus Del Fantasma. Um, for those of you who are Lucha Underground watchers, yes, that's King Cuerno. Um, this is for the Grand Championship. Uh, you've got all your judges at ringside. At the end of the match, I number one, I hate the Grand Championship format. I don't even consider it worthy of talking about. The only reason I'm going to talk about this match is because of Hector Guerrero and his actions at the end of the match. Do you have any comments on the match itself? No, go ahead. I, I will say I, I, I've given that grand championship chance after chance. I just can't get into it. I hate it. I hate the whole round scoring system. Yeah, you, it's just asinine. You get into a groove for what could be a good match, and then, oh, oh, you got to take a break. Uh, so... Thank you, it comes, for that one. It comes down, you have a split card. Uh, one judge has EC3 winning. One judge has Del Fantasma winning. And the final judge is Hector Guerrero, who is AAA's representative at the scorer's table. And he puts over EC3. Fantasma loses his freaking mind, gets up in Hector Guerrero's face. Fantasma gets back in the ring, gets up in EC3's face. And then enter Pagano. Um, Rick, I, do you know anything about Pagano? I, I can't say that I really do. I just bits and pieces here and there. Okay, so do you care that Pagano got in the ring 
and beat the shit out of EC3? I'm your casual North American viewer. I don't think anyone's... I don't think anyone of, cares because nobody kind of knows who Pagano head. is. Uh, Pagano used to wear a mask. He was part of the whole psycho clown, blah, 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 blah. Lost his mask. Now he wears the face paint. That's really the only thing I know about the guy. He's considered the most dangerous man in Mexico. He's a really good talent. I've seen some of his matches. He's a hardcore wrestler, which is something that you don't actually see very often anymore. But if this is going to lead to AAA versus GFW, I just think it drops the ball because nobody knows who Pagano is. If you were going to do this angle, you should have done this angle with Johnny Mundo. People who actually know who Johnny Mundo is. Oh, I completely agree there. He's dropping the ball. When you're debuting him in this fashion, I mean, unless they can follow it up next week with some intriguing, you know, backstory on him. I don't trust GFW to do anything. I, I don't even well, know what to call the goddamn company anymore. We're at record time, and we're going to find out here in about half an hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. That does come on here pretty damn quick. Uh, LAX versus OVE from the crash in Tijuana. Um what I saw of the match was cool. Uh, the reason I wanted to comment on this, how did you feel about them showing a video package versus actually just showing the match? It was something different that I enjoyed. I mean, I it screams Jeremy Borash yeah. all over it, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is obviously a Borash thing. But yes, I, I would have much rather seen an actual wrestling match with all those talents that are involved in there. But then I have to... You know, I want to question, did they just go this route to try something creatively different, a different presentation, or is there some, some deeper issues in there? Because we've seen when these companies come to work together, we've seen some legal issues that have, that have come to the surface. Maybe the match ran too long for, for the impact time frame. I just wonder if there's something else there that, that we're missing. And if anyone out there listening... If you know the dirt on it, you know. Send us the dirt, hitting the marks at gmail.com. Please, please, please hit us up in the comments. Send us an email. Fill us in. I I just think there's something else there, or there could be something else there. You know, I thought it was really, really cool. Um, Sometimes I just want to see the goddamn match, but it, it was cool. And then I thought, you know, what would happen if they just put Jeremy Borash in charge of creative? What would that show look like? And I sat and I thought about it for a while, and then I realized it would look like Lucha Underground. That's basically what Lucha Underground does. It certainly seems like he's got a vision, and he's got that eye for something different that they have found success with in the past. At this point, with a company that, I'd rather go forward. Why not just turn him loose? Let him like JB. Let him do his thing. To Big John, who has proven. To be nothing but a flop for him in the past. Uh, Johnny Mundo versus Low Key. Um, I'm sorry, Johnny Impact versus Low Key. I forget, you know, Johnny Impact is a giant baby face. Johnny Mundo is a prick. Um, uh, Hey, thankfully they didn't call him Johnny Global. Then they would be in a real fucking mess right now. (laughs) Johnny Anthem. Johnny Anthem. (laughs) Johnny Angel. Is Uh, Is that a song? I thought this was a fun match. Uh, Unfortunately, it was ruined for me because I knew 
of the contract status between low key and GFW, but it, it was a fun match to watch. Stole, stole the words right out of my mouth. It just kind of hurt going in and seeing. I mean, when you, when you know the result you going into it, it just sucks. That wasn't something you could avoid because damn, it was everywhere. You knew he was gone. Uh, what did you think of the whole Moose versus Lashley angle? Man, I have, I have a hard time getting anything Moose does, but I am loving the, the, the Lashley side of this. I love, I'm exactly, I'm with you. I love what Lashley is doing. I just can't get into Moose. Even when Moose was in ROH, I just couldn't get into the guy. Yeah, I, I never saw it. I never bought in with it. But like I said, speaking to the other side, Man, I, I am really digging what they got going on with Lashley here. It's, it's this storyline with Lashley, this is the most. Around. This is the most interesting Lashley has been in years. Is yeah, Lashley you know, leaving Impact, or is he going to go just do MMA stuff? Fascinating stuff because it seems so real. Because you could see Lashley's fight camp being like, you know what, you need to be done with this pro wrestling bullshit. And that's basically the storyline. There was another another side to this that Jeff Jarrett and Jim Cornette were adding to. And it's going to be disappointing now that they're gone. You know, I hope this probably will play out by then. But, you know, especially with Jim, uh, you've got these scumbag MMA fighters coming in here. The pro wrestling's where it's at. This is all territory. Yeah, turn I mean, Jim I, Cornette loose on the MMA people. Because you know Jim Cornette hates MMA. He's got to. I can't imagine that Jim Cornette. He doesn't have, he doesn't have much bad to say about it. But he doesn't really? Talk, he doesn't talk about that all, all that often. You know what a fan I am of his. I know. You're a big Cornette guy. It, I just, it's, my top, it's my top listen. Those are his shows every week. You know, I'm on top of them. What did Mr. Cornette have to say about his departure from Anthem Sports and Global Force Wrestling? This is a case of... Well, I guess we're talking just his departure from from Impact. They were he didn't know that they were exactly planning on advertising him for Bound for Glory. This is even when it was tentatively scheduled to be taking place in the Impact Zone in Orlando. So then they finally they run out this this really cool graphic and Mr. Cornette was really into it. He's really excited about it. He bragged it up. I'm gonna be at Bound for Glory, this is going to be a great event, yada, yada, yada. Then not even through the company, he finds out through Twitter, he hops online, that they've moved this thing to, of all places, Canada. So and not just people- Canada. Because when, when I first heard the Canada announcement, I thought, oh, well, that's cool. They're going to do it in Toronto. Because that's where Anthem is based out of. That's oh, no. that's oh, good. No. Toronto's a really hot wrestling town. A lot of people don't realize that, but Toronto's a very hot wrestling town. Always a always a tremendous territory, and to this day, it's still a hot wrestling town. But, but they- no, they're doing it in Ottawa. I'm not sure I've ever even heard of a wrestling show taking place in Ottawa. Well, they've got one now. Calgary, Ontario, Toronto, Vancouver, but Ottawa? At this point, Cornette makes a phone call to the new powers that be. Says, "Uh, guys, I can't do a show in Canada. 
how about if you want me to? And they're also having the tapings there as well. So he's not even available for that. He's going to be unavailable for six weeks of programming. They're taping it. six weeks of programming after Bound for Glory in the same somewhere, venue? Somewhere along those lines. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to six, the six-week reference is what Cornette explained himself on his show that I listened. I just listened to before we started recording. I was, yeah, I hadn't heard that news yet. That might not be the exact, but they are filming. You know, they're at least going to have a month out. So he's unavailable for that as well. <laughs> he tells them, if you guys want, I'll come down to the headquarters. We can film something in the studio about how I, I've come ill and I will be in the hospital and Tijuana for the next six months or something like that. Go ahead and write me off. I don't really want to be traveling anymore. I'm trying to get out of the pro wrestling business. But I'm pretty much done with the company. So did this seem like an amicable split from Cornette's explanation? Oh, yeah. He had, he had nothing bad to say about it. He had been dealing with Jeff Jarrett the entire time. And he's, he's known Jeff Jarrett since Jeff was 12 years old. Yeah, he's, he's known the Jarretts forever. There are ties Going there. with Jerry he dealing, Jarrett. He was dealing with, with Jeff Jarrett the entire time. So now he'd rather, you know, he's an old family friend and all that. He'd rather, he didn't really want to get back into it. Now he's going to deal with a new group. He said he would honor anything that he could. They could write him off. But there was no way in hell he's going to Canada. Now where it really gets interesting is why Jim doesn't go to Canada anymore. As he explained it, it's not that he can't go. It's that by his own consent he's agreed not to ever step foot back in the country again that's tremendous and this all started when he was with ring of honor and they were heading up to toronto for the border wars pay-per-view and he has stopped at customs and they're going round and round and round and anyone out there that that listens to anything mr cornett's ever done knows that he can he can go off the handle quite easily He's a bit erratic at times. So they're, they're reviewing these things with him. They got this big stack of paperwork. Well, if you fill out all these forms here, you have this department sign this, verify this, you get this verified, yada, yada, yada. So no, long story short, at the end there, Cornette's like, you know what? What the hell can we do to just get this over with right now? They said, well, we do have this other piece of paper that says you won't ever return to Canada. He says, give me that fucking piece of paper. I'm signing that. I don't need to come back in your fucking country ever again. And then he's out. That's what it was. Oh, William H. Macy's character from Shameless would be proud. Fucking Canada. Uh, Speaking of Bound for Glory, obviously, as we said, that they have announced it. Uh, I saw Ed Nordholm said yesterday they're hoping to draw 500 people. Ooh, talk about great aspirations. 500 people. <clears throat> I'm in AIW <sighs> country. I'm in AIW country as we rec- right now as we record. They draw 500 people. Well, certainly they're, they are a hot, hot independent promotion. One of the best in the country. <sighs> I just... For your biggest show of the year, 15th anniversary, Bound for Glory, 
500 people. They're hoping for a very full sale like environment. What got me about this whole deal? This is your, this is Bound Floor. This is your biggest event of the year. And we're going to hear them say it because they say it every year. This is our WrestleMania. This is why you should care about it. Why in the hell are you announcing the location without any actual ticket details, event details, just six, what, six weeks out? Are they going to give away tickets like they do in the Impact Zone? I imagine they're probably going to have to pay for it. I don't think they're going to get 500 up there. Okay, so let's assume Bound for Glory is a thirty nine ninety nine price point. Are you going to buy Which the show? Seems... No what? way in hell. I'll be playing dirty internet that evening. <sighs> if I even decide to do that. If they put it on GFW, blow it out your ass network.com for six ninety nine, would you buy the show? I would do it at that six ninety nine point. Six ninety nine. I'm still bootlegging. Fuck them, <laughs> and fuck that owl. You don't think uh, this guy has the perfect coffin lined up for Mister Perfect, do you? I don't know what this guy thinks half the time. Yeah, he's strange, buddy. Kind of a concerned look on Mister Perfect's face uh, coming out to the funeral parlor. Right now, I would like to introduce to everybody. My former manager. Did you say former? Yes, I said former. A man who has taken me to great heights in the World Wrestling Federation. A man who has taken me to the Intercontinental Championship belt. And with my urging, as a broadcast journalist, will be just as successful, Bobby the Brain. Oh, my goodness. But he's his, his former, former manager. What is going on here, folks? All right. You know, as I enter the field of broadcast journalism with the likes of Walter Cronkite, Edward R. Murrow, Peter Arnett, I no doubt will far, far surpass anything those typewriter pushers could have ever achieved. Why? Simple. Because they are not perfect. Let's talk about a promotion that's not completely crooked. Uh, real quick, I wanted to touch on uh, NJPW Destruction in Hiroshima. Probably not the smartest name for a pay-per-view, but... I was just going to say, can you imagine in Western society, our PC, our oh-so-lovely PC world that we live in, a name like Destruction in Hiroshima? Destruction in Hiroshima. You know, that would be like our good friends at... Oh, damn, I, I probably, they probably would do this. Impact Wrestling Ground Zero from New York City. I wouldn't put it beyond them. I would totally put LAX over at that show, too. So, a little bit of a quick review of NJPW Destruction in Hiroshima. Number one, there was no Don Callis on this show. That was very, very disappointing. Instead, we had Rocky Romero on commentary. Rocky Romero is no Don Callis. It took me a little bit to warm up to Callis, but, man, I'm 100% on board with him now. Cyrus over huge. Cyrus and Kevin Kelly are the commentary team that I never knew that I wanted. 
they're so dry in their delivery and Cyrus is definitely an acquired taste. Definitely. But I will say since he started announcing for new Japan, I can't listen to his podcast anymore. It just, it takes me out of it. Can't do it. Uh, one of the matches I wanted to touch on, uh, Ricochet and Taguchi versus Tai Chi and Kane Amaro. Uh, the only thing that was really important coming out of this is Rocky Romero gets up in the ring challenges Ricochet and Taguchi and says that he is bringing Rapungi 3000 to bring them down. I assume that will be at King of Pro Wrestling. Uh, I'm intrigued as to who is in Rapungi 3000 and if this is going to be the payoff to the Switchblade promos. Uh, if you don't know who that is, I'm not going to tell you, but you will not be disappointed. Uh, another match I wanted to touch on, Chaos versus Los Ingobernables. Uh, this was a absolute train wreck, really. I mean, you got Ghetto, Okada, Osprey, Yano, and Ishii versus all of LIJ, Nato, Evil, Sonata, Bushi, and Hiromu. Um, so now we're up to Evil has pinned Okada three times, Rick. Three times. Okada breaks the date, the uh, longest championship reign in history, on October 21st, he is going to face Evil on October 9th at King of Pro Wrestling. Is Okada in danger of losing this title to Evil? I think he I think he walks out with the title. But this has been such an interesting story here. He's been so dominant for so long. And now we're starting to, starting to see that wear and tear. It's starting to get to him. Okada's it's, beat up. That's the story they're telling. There's some cracks in that foundation. Superman has found his kryptonite, and it is evil. Uh, We also have uh, in this program, coming up at King of Pro Wrestling, Nato is going to take on Ishii for the briefcase. I wanted to touch on this because I'm not sure how many people know the story of this briefcase. Do you know the story of the briefcase, Rick? The significance of the briefcase? I'm going to sit back. And take it in with all of our listeners here. It's very much like Money in the Bank is in the WWE. Uh, Naito won the briefcase, which contains the contract for the Wrestle Kingdom main event. He won that by winning the G1 tournament. However, anybody that he lost to inside of the G1 tournament, he has to defend the briefcase against. It's an opportunity. Kind of of like for those of you, if a champion loses during the G1... They have and to then turn around and the defend one, that the title. Individual who, yeah, the, the individual who bettered them has earned themselves a title opportunity. So we get Ishii versus Nato at King of Pro Wrestling for the briefcase and the main event title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. Any chance that you see Ishii taking Nato out here? How often have they switched the cases in, in these scenarios? I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think it's ever happened, and I don't think it's happening here. I was going to say, I, I, I don't think they would switch it up. It would but. make for a great storyline, and I actually had laid out a creative plan where we would actually get to Okada and Omega 4 in the Tokyo Dome with Omega, or with NATO winning the G1, Omega then winning the briefcase from NATO to challenge Okada and this whole storyline. And then the G1 happened and they were in opposite blocks. 
So shows you what I know. One of the other matches I wanted to talk about was Kushida versus El Desperado. This is, of course, the junior heavyweight championship. Kushida, the defending champion. Um, at one point, El Desperado goes to pull out a guitar to do the Jeff Jarrett spot. He's going to hit Kushida over the head with his guitar, which we have seen previously in other shows. And Red Shoes stops him. Red Shoes is the referee, for those who don't know. How the hell do you not know Red Shoes? Come on. Hey, man, there's a lot of people who don't watch New Japan, so we're just trying to give them a little bit but of flavor. But if you're not there. a regular, you've had to see some things out there, wouldn't you? I would hope so. I mean, Red Shoes is just fantastic. His character on being the elite is tremendous. But anyway, go on. So El Desperado reaches back into his case while Red Shoes is doing away with the guitar and grabs Izuka's leash out of the guitar case. Now, Izuka is a crazy old Japanese man who is an absolute monster. When they bring him out, they have to bring him out on a leash so he doesn't attack the crowd. It's a fantastic gimmick. El Desperado proceeds. What's that? That's a classic throwback gimmick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it works. It works. People are terrified of the guy because he sells that he's completely fucking crazy. So Desperado takes the leash and starts whipping Kushida like a freaking bullwhip, man. That was brutal looking. Kushida, being the ultimate baby face that he is, fights back from underneath, gets the victory. The reason I wanted to talk on this was the difference in the way that New Japan presents their junior heavyweights versus the way the WWE presents 205 Live. Number one, they do not have a star anywhere remotely close to as big as Kushida. Would, would you agree with that, Rick? Yeah, in current standing, I would agree 100%. I think they have some people there with the potential, but it's a lack of focus and dedication from, from one to, you know, to the other. Kushida is just incredible. One. Not only what he can do in, his, in the ring, but he started watching New Japan when he was like four and knew that he was going to be a pro wrestler. And they have video footage of this guy from like the time he was four. He is the ultimate white meat baby face. And he's perfect to build the division he's the around. He's, he's living out everyone's dream there. But the pacing of this match was just incredible. These two guys are just going at it like mad. And then I watched 205 Live, and everything just feels like it's in slow-mo. Let them wrestle like cruiserweights. Well, it's probably with the WWE style of it. Is they still they slow it down. That style has to move at a certain speed. And when you slow it down, I mean, it's always overly choreographed. But when you take when you pull it down a few notches, it becomes painfully obvious. So after Kushida gets the victory, it hurts their work because their timing and shit's off. Oh, their timing is ridiculous. There's there's one spot where uh, El Desperado did a suicide dive that he when he hit Kushida, he actually went over the barricade onto the announce table. And it's just this, the spacing and the timing that you have to have to pull something like that off. It's just incredible without killing yourself. After Kushida goes over, Will Ospreay comes out, challenges Kushida to a match. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi jumps into the ring. Of course, 
Hiromu Takahashi and Will Ospreay are having the feud of the year. Uh, Takahashi, of course, trying to convince Will Ospreay that he is, in fact, a cat. It's the best storyline in wrestling. Before Hiromu can get a challenge out, Will Ospreay just straight hits him in the mouth and knocks his ass out. So it looks like we're going to get Will Ospreay versus Kushida at King of Pro Wrestling. I expect Takahashi will interfere, leading to a Takahashi versus Will Ospreay match to see who will challenge Kushida inside the Tokyo Dome for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. The only other match on the card that's really worth talking about Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. Tanahashi's looking old to me, man. I don't know if it's that he cut his hair off or that he was in the ring with Zack Sabre Jr., but some of those spots that they were running just looked like they were in slow motion. Tanahashi just looked outclassed to me. He ends up winning the match, but the unpopular opinion of the day, Hiroshi Tanahashi looks old, and it makes me very, very sad to say that. Uh, it looks like we're going to get Suzuki versus Tanahashi, but then we have Michael Elgin to the rescue. Are we going to get a continuation here of Michael Elgin versus Minoru Suzuki, Rick? That's it. That last match had you kind of disappointed, wasn't it? Yeah, I just... Something about so, the timing of it just felt way off. Yeah, so follow it up again. Let him get out there. Hit the reset button. Because you I mean, two incredible talents. You know, let them work out those kinks that they had and, and put it back on the line for us. At the end of the match, Tanahashi basically looks for any challengers for his Intercontinental Championship. That challenge is answered by Kota Ibushi. This one intrigues me, Ibushi versus Tanahashi. That intrigues me. I'm not sure when we're going to get that match, but that's one that I absolutely want to see. Oh, we're almost to the close, Rick. We've only got What's a couple the, uh, of segments left here. Uh, just a quick plug there with, for the New Japan. We've got that. What's, what's that big event coming down? That's The next Destruction event is this weekend. It's going to be Destruction in Kobe. Uh, I'll be doing a brief preview for that probably in the next couple of days. I believe the show is Sunday morning, and it features Kenny Omega hopefully returning from a knee injury. I haven't heard any updates about Kenny uh, versus Juice Robinson. That's your advertised main event for the IWGP United States Championship. I just want to make sure everyone out there, it's going to be one of our, our quick hit previews. Run down a couple minutes, let you know all the big matches, what to look for, why you should be excited. Something to keep an eye on. Speaking of things to be excited about, it's time to be the booker. Be, be the booker. Be, be the booker. So your topic for this week, Rick is Ronda Rousey. As Ronda Rousey breaks into the WWE, how would you book her? Well, we've got the big the big storyline, the hot seller. It seems like everybody wants to see that what should likely happen at Survivor Series. Give us a four-on-four four traditional style our WWE women versus the MMA horse women. With the built into that, obviously you've already got some of your roots. Well, who would place. you who would you book as the baby faces and who would be the heels in that match? Going in, I am going to 
kind of. I mean, are the UFC horsewomen the the natural heels in this situation? I think judging this is, would be a bit be a bit tough at first. You're going to have a large portion of that audience. You know, people people really like Ronda Rousey. Uh, Baser, I don't think that she, that so many people took to her as a fan favorite. But the other thing is, on, on the WWE side, with Sasha, Bailey, Becky, and Charlotte, all four of them are faces. So I would just bring Ronda in with, like, the worst attitude. This is below me. Okay, I'll meet you there. But then why the hell would she come in? I mean, what's, what's if she thinks it's below her, why is she coming in here? Or is it you come in with that chip on your shoulder, hey? You guys have been talking all this stuff over here. You think you're some kind of movement. I'm the real movement in women's sports. My, me and my crew have done this. You ain't done shit. And then they start, you know, they go on the, the attack towards the WWE horsewomen. I'm intrigued what they do with Rousey. Well, going into that match, however we get to that match, <clears throat> I would have it come down to Charlotte and Ronda as your final two. Oh, it has to. That's that's the money, right? Is right. Charlotte and Ronda. A part of me in my head, too, in that match, I like what you said, bring in the MMA horsewomen as the agitators, the heels, the villains. I would love to see a double turn in that match. I, I want my WWE horsewomen to be like the real horsemen. I want them to be villainous sons of bitches that know that they are the top of the top, the cream of the crop, and they run the fucking joint. I would be with you as long as you replace Bailey uh, with um, Blanchard. Yeah, that's what I do. I bring Tessa in. Yep. To replace I Bailey. Would, uh, Bailey, Bailey doesn't work in that situation. I would set it up maybe to get to build another program along with it. Yeah, because I'm I'm not even sure Becky fits in that program. I mean, right now yeah. Becky Lynch is really the morality could, bearer on SmackDown. She could she could be a villain very easily. Oh, she I can she, be. She, she, she can be, but then who becomes your 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 measuring stick of morality if you if you turn Becky? Becky's the only like pure innocent babyface on SmackDown right now. We can shift some other people around for those. I'm not even sure that you put them all in the same in the same brand. You could have a two and two, but they come together at certain times as a group. So now you've got a dominant women's faction on both shows that are kicking ass. And I can see a point where almost going back to main event mafia style, where Sting was with the group but really didn't, he had that sense that he didn't belong with them. He had that different mindset. He stood out from the group. And I think you do that with Bailey for a little while. And then you tell that story with Blanchard coming in that attacks her. They all attack her. Blanchard introduces a new one and they kick Bailey out. Now you've got a super, you've got a new super hot, you turn after Bailey that's got to take on the raw or 
while she's at Dylan's on that side of the side of the table. At what point does Stephanie McMahon? You know beat she's going to poke her nose in here at some point. At what point does Stephanie McMahon beat up Ronda Rousey? It's going to make me puke. I, I don't think that ever happens. God, let's I see hope that, not. I see that. So we'll go back to Survivor Series. I, it comes down to Charlotte and Rousey. I have Rousey go over. In this case, you still have Charlotte as your champion. You're, we came to an agreement earlier, but at least by then she needs to have that title around her waist. Then going through, then you reintroduce Rousey on the road to WrestleMania, where you set up that big that big payoff match for women's wrestling between Charlotte and Rousey at WrestleMania. Which would you rather see at WrestleMania? Would you rather see Rousey and Charlotte, or would you rather see Asuka versus Charlotte? in a unification of the titles match. At this next WrestleMania, I'm going to go with Rousey because I like that damn money, man. That's a big money match. And you can do the Oscar Charlotte down the road. Oh, I'm with you. I just, I, I just hope they have the patience with Oscar to tell that story. Right. There's big money. If you you know, in a super slow burn on that, that brings us to the match of the week. My match of the week is going to come from Lucha Underground CN, Rey Mysterio versus the Monster Matanza Cuerto. For those of you who don't know, the Monster Matanza Cuerto has a striking resemblance to Jeff Cobb. Striking resemblance. You may Have want you to ever seen him in the same room? Never. Never. Never seen him in the same room. Uh, I did see what he did to Rey Mysterio, and you should go see that too. It's worth a watch. I've got to confront you. I know in the absence of John Studd and King Kong Bundy, how do you get yourself in this kind of a mess? A handicap match with Hillbilly Jim and Andre the Giant. Two men facing three. Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy, and yourself. You aren't. Well, t- nervous, aren't you? No, I'm not nervous. I just want to collect my thoughts and make sure everything I say is understood properly. Because it's obvious the World Wrestling Federation here doesn't listen to me, and they don't care about me. Yes, I am a gifted athlete and a wrestler, but I don't particularly care to wrestle, and they know that. The whole thing is between Andre and the Hellbilly and Stutt and Bundy. And just because some goon at seven foot four and 500 pounds and some dumb hick from Mud Lick put their two heads together with an IQ of 10, they want a, me in the ring. They want to get their hands on stud. They want to pick up that money for a slam. They want to get rid of Bundy because they're jealous of his size and massiveness. And they want to get rid of me because they're jealous of me. My whole life, everybody's been jealous of me. Everybody's been worried about me my whole life. You're They've paranoid. done this to me. They've done this to me. Don't you call me Weasel either, pal. No, I didn't Don't say you, you I said, said you're paranoid. It. No, you called me Weasel and I heard you. I, I said you're you, trying to weasel no, out of this no, match. No, no, I didn't try to weasel out. I just don't want to have anything to do with this match. I want to sit down that chair. I want to guide my men. I don't want to get in there. I don't want some guy seven foot four putting his dirty, filthy hands on me. I don't want some hillbilly putting his dirty farm hands on me. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And you think it's a handicap because there's two of you against three of us. It's a handicap in your part. Because, Andrew, you were carried out of Maple Leaf Guards in Toronto. And hillbilly Jim... You thought you stole the Manager of the Year award from me and gave it to Albano, and you didn't, because I'm Manager of the Year. 
And they carried you out of there too after that. They carried out Albano. And I'm going to guarantee you something. Thursday on the 12th of December, they better not bring any ambulances there to the Oakland Coliseum. They better bring some big dumpster trucks where they haul the garbage out. Because that's what they're going to carry Andre out of there with and the hellbilly. Because Stud and I and Bunny are walking out of there. And don't you call me Weasel. Somebody just call me Weasel call here. Weasel. Somebody's calling me Weasel. It must be from behind there. All Fans. right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready. This great city of Las Vegas, Action City. Get ready for the debut of the World Wrestling Federation out of the campus of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Max Center, Saturday night, March the 21st, the World Wrestling Federation is going to be right here in town in this great state of Nevada. And I personally am looking forward to getting back and spending time with, with the many great fans that we have here in the Las Vegas area. 7.30 p.m. start, by the way, on the 21st. Jake the Snake Roberts will be going against Ugandan Headhunter. Come out of that match to start sharply at 7.30 p.m. Bobby Heenan with all that's happening in regard to WrestleMania 3 at the Silverdome back in Pontiac, Michigan. Now, all of a sudden, you have demanded, you have insisted of promoters a non-title bout for Hulk Hogan against <laughs> your man, Hercules. What do you got up your sleeve? Now? Oh, I've got a lot up my sleeve. You see, I'm saving you, Hogan. You take a cat and you put a parakeet in there with him, and all the parakeet does all day long is try to survive. And the cat knocks all the feathers off the bird. And then that little, little, little yellow bird stands there and shivers and freezes. See, Hogan, you're that yellow bird. Andre the Giant is that big cat. And all these other feathers are the, thing I'm, the things I'm planning. I wonder if See, we right can talk wrestling here instead of canaries. Sure, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but don't talk to me about it. Mr. Hogan, it's a non-title match. That's the way I want it, because I don't want that title to slip to anybody else but Andre the Giant on the 29th of March in WrestleMania 3. But here, Saturday night, March 21st in Las Vegas, the town that I made famous. See these? I am old blue eyes. That's what they call me here in town. So it's a non-title match. You can have Sinatra, Tom Jones, you can have anybody you want. The Misfits, I don't care, because Hogan, you are going to be hurt and you're going to be hurt real bad. Maybe not real bad, but bad enough so when you get in the ring with Andre the Giant, it's all over. See, Hercules is the most powerful athlete probably in the world today, next to Andre the Giant. And right here, Las Vegas Strip, the desert, Hoover Dam, everything you said is Hulkamania, is great. Say what you want. Talk is cheap, big mouth. You got to get in that ring and prove it. Remember, non-title. I don't want you to lose that title one bit. But I want everybody, everybody right here in Vegas to see your carcass carted out of that building. You are going to be hurt. And I'm going to roll them bones and pull them one-armed bandits and make a bet. All right, I thank you very much, Bobby. And then Heenan. I'm going out to the ranch and see some friends of mine. Well, I want to say a special hello to my very dear, close, personal friend, Angie, at Caesars Palace. I look forward to seeing you at the Max Center for the debut of the World Wrestling. I don't know the number. i got to get a hold of her somehow. Bobby Heenan, yes, Hercules to meet Hulk Hogan, non-title matchup at the debut of the World Wrestling Federation. It's one you won't want to miss. Get your tickets in advance. I got the number. You have, you have the number? But my God, I should Wait, take for on. cover, maybe. Pedro Morales, you were the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. You were Intercontinental heavyweight champion. Why? I'm speaking. You were the tag team champion. But those are all former. Now you're nothing. And when the king gets through with you, you will be less than nothing. Now, Paul Orndorff is not going to conduct an interview. We have a news blackout. A news blackout? Right. He's not going to give you an interview or you people an interview or anybody in the media because he doesn't feel like he has to. And I don't feel like I should let him do it. I know if Hulk Hogan is defending the title against Kamala. Now, Kamala is a big, bad, vicious man. 
But I'm upset that Kamala gets his hands on Hogan before we do. But no, they throw the junkyard dog in front of us here at the Boston Garden. Why don't you throw Larry Bird in front of us? Why don't you throw the whole Celtics? Why don't you throw everybody and get your hands on here in front of us? No, no, you got the junkyard dog. Guy comes in with 16 feet of chain around his neck. He barks, he growls. The referee backs up. He lets him do whatever he wants. Let me tell you something, junkyard dog. You are in my way. You are in the way of something I dream about. And before this year is over, I want to manage the champion of the world. I want to manage Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And if you think stepping in front of me with that chain is going to do it, you're badly mistaken. Because if we have to take that chain off you, dog, take that chain and drag you around that Boston Garden and housebreak you, we'll do it. Because then we're going to sit at ringside and we're going to watch Kamala do whatever he has to do to the world's champion, Hulk Hogan. And whatever minute piece of you is left, Hogan, that's what I want. That's what Mr. Wonderful wants. And that is what we are going to get. Boston Gardens, get ready. Because when Orndorff walks out, I want you to stand up and yell, Wonderful! 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 So that's it. Episode four is in the can. Rick, we're, we're turning into podcast vets here. Oh, yeah, man. Number four, right? Jeez. Number four. We'll probably be getting a call from some of the big dogs here shortly. Jeez. Radio. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that when we discussed the format of this show, we decided, you know, we're going to keep it to about an hour. Yeah, we need to work on that. Yeah, we got to work on that. We'd like to thank you for uh, downloading this episode. Be sure to visit us over at iTunes. Give us a five-star Meltzer rating. Be sure to subscribe to the show for immediate access once it's posted every Thursday morning or most Thursday mornings when Mother Nature doesn't say otherwise. And you never know when we may drop a special episode. Like, maybe next... I don't know. Is there something coming up we could talk about? Like, maybe Sunday. Like, maybe Sunday. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do something special for No Mercy. You never know. You can find us on OddTunes as well as Podbeam. Visit us on the fire-breathing Twitter machines at HTMPWPod and on the face bag at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, where do the stalkers find you? As always, listeners or just pro wrestling enthusiasts in general can find me over on Twitter at TheRealRBV. I'd also like everyone out there to visit TheGorillaPosition.com. It's a magazine-style news site offering a variety of editorials and exclusive interviews. My own personal columns drop on Saturdays. It'd be awesome if you go check those out for me. If you're looking for some thought-provoking, real-time conversation, head on over to the WrestleZone Discussion Group on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, you ham and eggers. That's episode four. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy. Stop, stop, go. Both can go stuck in down
bad guy. Violet! 